What does it mean, Messiah Matters? It means apart from him, we can do nothing. It means he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeshua is the only way of salvation. He is everything. We have to have the Tanakh to know the Messiah. But we have to have the Messiah to know the Tanakh. Without Messiah, we have nothing. Basically, it's all about the Messiah. It's Wednesday, October 24th. This is Messiah Matters number 239, confused on why Christians have scary decorations for Reformation Day. My name is Caleb Hegg, and with me, the man who, according to YouTube comments, is uninformed regarding Masoretic issues, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? I just love that music. Yeah. Pretty good. Uninformed, that's fine. (laughs) Um, uh, What what have we been called? Heretics, enemies of the gospel, uninformed. Yeah bring it on labels but the music back to the groove yes i just was noting that we are coming to the end of our fifth year five that's just amazing baruch hashem and that caleb you you said something about potentially new music new intro for season six so actually yesterday i was uh it spent this sounds like a really long time it's about half an hour going through different uh uh, different uh, uh, music, you know, s- music that we could purchase to to do our new intro. Found nothing in a half an hour. It's not as easy as people think to make a good intro. Believe it or not, it's hard. It's harder than people think. If we had a, pr- you know, if we had a production team, that'd be different. I am the production team, so. Um, yeah, okay, well, hey, what up and shalom to everybody. It's been a long time since I've said that, eh? Hey, everybody in the chat room, good to see you. We got, uh, we got a good showing already, 23 people in there. Welcome. I see Derek's, like, first. Yep. I'm here. I'm the first. It's good to, good to see Derek in the uh, chat room, as always. And everyone else, of course. Um, you know, the chat room really adds a lot. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. We're just, uh, you know, getting into it. How's your week been, man? You're getting ready for, uh... SBL. For those who don't know what SBL is, it's the Society of Biblical Literature. Rob is presenting two papers, one in the uh, Masoretic section, uh, Masoretic text section, and... It's Caleb M.M. I'm giving a paper in the Masoretic section and in the Midrash section. That's M.M. Oh, golly. This keeps getting better. We have, the, we have this person who continues to... I mean, she just keeps going. She's very offended by one of our videos, and I keep getting emails. Oh, now. you got to share a little bit about. <laughs> I mean, she uh, She says, uh, this is the most recent comment. I have more than 12 years of one-on-one study of biblical Hebrew with a native Israeli certified teacher. Unless you listen to Nehemiah's full four to six hours presentation about the name, you should probably just be quiet for now. <laughs> yeah. ah. Oh, man. Well, you should probably just stop talking. Probably. 
Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No. Yeah, that's fine. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, we've we've had an interesting morning. She um, should ask for her money back. So yeah, exactly. Um, so and then the second section that you're going to be presenting in is the uh, remind me, remind me, remind you what? What the se- Are you even? You're you're in the chat room again, aren't you? No, I'm listening. What's the second section at SBL that you're presenting in? I said MM. No, no, Masora the other one. And Midrash. Oh, Masar, I. You weren't listening to me. You're homie. right. You're right. MM, like Messiah Matters. Speaking M-M. of, speaking of, I was, I, speaking I was of thinking M- that there's like some cosmic like significance to that. Speaking of MM, Rob and I were. What's caught- the word picture for M? Mountain. Mm. <gasps> and we're going to be in the mountains in Denver. Yes. Caleb, um, we were talking <gasps> the other. We were talking the other day about rehashing the idea of the mm tour. So. I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to get people to basically uh, sponsor us, you know, put us up. And we've had people in Arizona already say that they'd put us up. We'll go for like a night or two. The only thing yeah, we got to figure, the only right. thing we got to figure out is airfare, and then the mm, tours on. So. Yeah, it's just we're, yeah with the so pray we we would really like to do it. It's just logistically, yeah, and and financially the things. Would just have to. Uh, maybe to what out. we should do. Maybe what we should, what should we should do is do a GoFundMe. Oh. We'll do a GoFundMe. <laughs> Bring us to you know this I, place. You could, try, you could try that. Hey, if there's enough interest, maybe you know <laughs> people give a dollar. Here's the idea. We want to do, and here's another M. We want to do music. Yeah, music. We want to share music, a ministry, meal. and a meal. Music and a meal, and then just lots of uh, what do you call it? schmoozing see there's an m i'm trying to think of an m word for uh schmoozing discussion <laughs> mm, i don't have an m word for we need a somebody with a uh, thesaurus What's okay so we have word? a let, let's get to, to important matters here um and yes uh, the mm tour is is important i would say but uh, we'll, we'll leave that for a different time okay um, and it's and uh, welcome to everyone who's just trickled in from the uh, from the into the chat room. We are grateful for you being here. Okay, let me get to my show notes. Kind of all over the place today. I, I personal note. I bought a scooter yesterday, and uh, so it's been really fun. I got to take that. You're about what three miles from work between home exactly and exactly three miles from my front door to my work store. And That's going to save you on gas. That's going to what, well, how did it go? Were you, did you get cold? Yeah, it was freezing. But, you know, I, uh, when I walk it, it takes me 50 minutes because right. I don't walk very fast. So it takes, you know, I was walking 50 minutes each morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, so it's nice to actually have. And I got I got this thing for a, for a song. I really did. So I'm happy about it. Anyway, okay. Um, let's see. What do we have here? Oh, this is a good one. This is a comment that, that came in. You know, email, maybe? I forget where, where it came in. We'll start with this. Um is it fair for traditional Christianity to still refer to the prophets on a matter of subjects? Uh, yeah. Uh, though many claim the Torah is nailed to the cross. So, in other words, if you're going to say that this person is, is asking, is it fair for mainstream Christianity to, say, to, to refer to the prophets if they say the Torah and the prophets have basically been fulfilled and done away? Um, Yeshua said he did not come to abolish neither the Torah nor the prophets. But if you nail one of them to the cross then by default, you have nailed the other witness as well. 
If this is the case, many in the church should only walk around with a Gideon's Bible and call it day. Um, okay. A Gideon, meaning the Gideon New Testament that, you know, right. I've had, I've gone right. through a bunch of those. I love those, by the way. Anyway, you got the King James New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. My great grandfather was a Gideon. He was part of the Gideon Bible Society. Anyway, um, I think that, uh, I, you know, I know that terms, we are very big on defining terms, okay? And so I, I think that uh, when you have a Christian, a, a mainstream Christian person who you're talking to who says that the Torah has been nailed to the cross, this needs to be defined. Because they don't mean the Torah in full. I think that right. Uh, well, well, I what think do Rob they, froze. They, Hang on, just a sec, Rob. Not sure what they mean. You You'd have to ask them. What do you mean by that? Right. Because well, yeah. that what that is. That's they heard somebody else say that, and they're just regurgitating it. So you could say, okay, that's a that's a a phrase that obviously did not originate with you. Can you explain to me what you, you mean? Look, you pr- press any Christ, any mainstream Christian today that I've found. Now I'm sure there's probably antinomian uh, believers out there who believe all law is done away with. But for the most part, as a general rule, you ask any Christian today, do you believe that it's okay to murder? Do you believe it's okay to steal? Do you believe it's okay to commit adultery? The answer is no, no, Do you believe no, the no. greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength? And they're going to say yes. Okay, wait a minute, that's the Shema. Yeah, that's exactly. part so, of the Ten Commandments. So, so, but the point is, is that the, that's the point, though, is that we have to define what we mean by law and what we mean by Torah. So when the... when um, um, and. I mean, honestly, going back to, I don't want to rehash this, but going back to our discussions with, with uh, Durbin and, and his, uh, you know, his friends. With. Not really with, but. Yeah, but the, 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 point, the point is, is that, uh, is that, you know, obviously Durbin and, and uh, the people over at Apologia Studios, they have a high regard for a lot of the Torah. This is, you know, this they is why. They seem to. Someone, was it Derek? Someone posted in our Facebook him preaching from Leviticus at like a right you know regarding homosexuality or something so 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 the point the, the point is is that w- no matter what and you know i would consider myself a christian so at, at what point you know each person's going to be different so you know if, if you say this person you know mainstream christianity believes that the torah has been nailed to the to the cross well um okay we have to define terms because of the Christians that I know, no one's going to say that the entire Torah has been nailed to the cross. They're going to say parts of the Torah has been nailed to the cross. They're going to say, um, you know, the cere- or the c- ceremonial parts have been nailed to the cross. Or, um, you know, and even within Messianic Judaism today, the Jewish parts of the Torah have been nailed to the cross. Or the Jewish parts of the Torah are only for Jews and not for Gentiles. These are the kind of things that we hear. But not necessarily that you know that the entire Torah has been nailed to the cross. So, in my opinion, uh, as I read this question, the answer is no. It's not fair to, to say that that Christians should you know shouldn't refer back to the to the prophets. And you know, we were talking about this the other day on on the clip that we did uh, Messiah Matters More uh, for Messiah Matters More. We did that yesterday. And it's up. Um, but you know, it's not like it's malicious. It's not like you know, Christian pastors and Christians are sitting there going, ha ha, how can we get rid of more of God's law? No, right. Yeah. We, there's not, we, you know, that's not it. They're, they're looking at the scriptures. They're, they're using a, 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 essentially a script uh, of, they've received a tradition that they hold valuable 
and they want to protect it against and because there's a lot of craziness in the world the craziness they see in the world heightens how much uh value they ascribe to their precious tradition and so there's already a defensive posture with respect to what they've received so anything that seems to suggest that their received tradition needs to be investigated can be easily associated with all the other noise out there that's against their tradition. Okay, I completely agree with what you're saying. And let's give an example. Let's let's further this. So, for instance, I, I mean, we can look to a number of different things. Uh, and I would say that, that probably the two main things that, that people can actually point to would be like circumcision and dietary laws. Now, the reason that they can point to these things are because of what I would consider a misinterpretation of Paul and Yeshua, right? Mark 7 is a misinterpretation of Yeshua when it comes to dietary laws. You can also get into, uh, you know, uh, Peter's vi vision in Acts and... and right. uh, Mark 7 is not the problem. You're not saying Mark 7 is the problem. You're saying the interpretive history... Right, in, the, the, the traditional... Inter the tradition of interpretation there is the problem. Yeah, right. And same Which with Paul. Which is so ironic... It was so ironic because the whole point is the traditions of man versus the word of God. Right. The core exactly. issue in Mark 7 and Matthew 15 is the traditions of man growing up like a huge weed fest. Oh, you're uh, right. I'm sorry. Choking out the man. word. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. So, so, and the same with uh, circumcision, right? And uh, one of the things that we were talking about, and I don't want to rehash it because our, you know, people can go to Messiah Matters more if they're supporters and, and watch the, the 32 minute clip that we posted. Um, but, you know, the idea that words within Scripture often, and we named a bunch of them in, the, in that video, often have uh, dual meaning, right? And so the idea that, that um, it's almost a tradition of, you know, when we read the apostolic Scriptures, this word has to mean this. It's like the people who, you know, they, they, they find a word, they look it up in Strong's, and the first thing that Strong says, that's what they're going to take. Right. As yeah. the truth, you know, it's like here's, here's like another that. way to think of this too is that because someone might say, Well, I don't want to work that hard today. God's word should just mean what it means. You know, I had this discussion with somebody, oh, you know, I should be able to just read a translation and be able to have precision theology. And I'm like, That's a total, this a total irrational expectation to have. You're, you're ignoring the fact that otherness of the language of the scriptures plus the otherness of the era in which they were given right and you're ignoring the all the works of man in terms of men meaning men and women who had created committees and had to get funding and had to debate which translation you know of this word how they were going to actually edit and print and then market and sell a book called the bible in english you know and um but the idea that words have multiple meanings, exactly to your point, Caleb, that's an issue that was in Yeshua's day. His whole discussion with Nicodemus was all based on a, the meaning of of a word, right? And and uh, so even in the biblical times, meaning times where where the Bible text was still being written and compiled, you had the issues of needing to say okay what do you mean let's pause do we mean the same thing by this word and we have it right right from the beginning you have all this tove 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 god saw that it was tove it's not tove for man to be alone and then all of a sudden the serpent's talking to eve and she sees this tree that it's tove and and if we're like wait a minute no 
it's not, it, don't eat this. She's being uh, morphed through this temptation into a false perception of calling good what is in fact not good and and getting her dictionaries messed up so this is we've this is a extended rabbit trail on the idea of someone saying it's been nailed to the cross right is that is that what, yeah. where we got on that whole trail well and you know this is going to actually pull, play into the uh the, the main topic of under the law so in other words what's nailed to the other question could that maybe another show could be on is what is nailed to the cross Anyway, uh, and well, it's maybe, an idiom. I mean, Yeshua. I, I, compl- I completely. Uh, right. I, I mean, yeah. Right. Anyway. Okay. Well, and then I guess the 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 uh, inscription right above him was nailed, uh, presumably. Yeah, but uh, I mean, what did Yeshua nail to the cross when it, it, with his death? In other words, was it the law? Anyway, w- w- this is a this is a topic for another. I mean, this could take up a whole show. Uh, let's move on. Um, oops, wrong one. I'm sorry kind of all over the place today. I actually, one of the things that I did today was I opened, I opened up our uh, soundboard again. We haven't used our soundboard in many shows, uh, people, which is fair. People thought that it was uh, too, too much, um, too much uh, mocking, that we were mocking people. And we weren't trying to mock people, so we got rid of the soundboard. But we're, we're going to have a segment here in a few minutes um, because we have new producers. And so we need to uh, name our producers for the fall quarter. Anyway, let's move right now to women in ZZ. This is one that a lot of people wanted to hear about. And so uh, just as a side note for the chat room, I think you're right. Truth hurts. Uh, Thomas Aquinas was the first he believes to um, to talk about the separation between moral, civil and ceremonial. I think I, I, I think that's right. OK, anyway, um, so one of the first things I did I knew that uh, I knew that there was rabbinic uh, uh, reference to women wearing tzitzit. Now, n- not that we care about necessarily what the rabbis say about this, but uh, it's an interesting place to start to see how the rabbis kind of discussed and why they discussed all this. So the first thing I did was went to the article section and put in uh, women and tzitzit, and lo and behold, we have an ar- article on it. It's called <laughs> "Women Wearing Tzitzit." <laughs> <laughs> it's in your show notes. Um, I put a link in the show notes. Um, and so my father has gone through and collated all of the different rabbinical texts that reference women wearing tzitzit. So, for instance, um, here's one. Um, Rabbi Amram the Pious, who attached fringes to the aprons of the women of his house. That's one of them. Menachot. Rob Judah attached fringes to the aprons of, of the women of his household. Um, Sifrei 115, even women are included in the requirement. That is, since the phrasing is say to them, even women are uh, included in the requirement. Rabbi Simeon declares women exempt from the religious duty of wearing fringes because it is a religious duty involving an act of commission dependent on a particular time. Now, my father then goes on, and, and there's more references. I'm not, I'm not talking about all of, all of the references. My, my father then goes on and, and lays out why um, the rabbis said that women, the, the majority ruling amongst the rabbis is that women shouldn't wear tzitzit. One is that they believe it's a time-bound commandment because you don't wear them at night. Um, there's other reasons, too. I've seen certain people, I think FFOZ put something out saying that women shouldn't wear them because it's a man's garment. I don't see that anywhere. Um, it doesn't say that the garment is, that like, what the garment is. It says, attach fringes to the corners of your garment. <clears throat> I mean, 
full disclosure, I'll just give you my opinion. And then, you know, it says, say to the, to, to the sons of Israel, um, sons is not, sons is a broad term like, hey, you guys. Hey, you guys, right? It's like male and female when talking to the children of Israel, say to the children of Israel. Um, I think that it's totally great if women want to wear a tzitzit. My mom wears a tzitzit. My wife does not. It's a personal choice, I think. And uh, for her, and uh, she's thought about it, and who knows where the Lord will lead her on that. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's up to the woman, right? If, if she wants to wear them, I don't have anything against it. I don't have anything against it. I think the question would be: Do you think it's a requirement according to Torah? Not the not the rabbis. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I know that one one argument would say because it says lachem in the plural, like y'all, right? Even though it's masculine plural, that you could say. And I haven't. I've I have read your dad's article, but it's been a long time, so I haven't looked at it lately. And he might talk about that. That um, it's masculine plural, and so do you take that as males only, or do you take that as y'all? So can I just stop you real quick? I'm sorry. There's a great comment. There's a great comment in the chat room. Alyssa says, so if we believe that it's okay for a woman to wear tzitzit, but Jews generally don't believe they should, they should, then should we refrain from walking around wearing tzitzit if we were to go to Israel? You know, I don't, I don't hold a whole lot of, in other words, if God has told me to do something, I don't really hold rabbinic Judaism in a light of, whether or not I care. If I, if I think that, you know, and actually this go, this, I was talking to somebody earlier today about why I don't wear a, a keep anymore. One of the reasons why is because I don't want to associate myself with rabbinic Judaism. And that's essentially what I felt I was doing. I, you know, Christians thought I was associating myself with rabbinic Judaism. Once Jews figured out that I believed in Yeshua, they were horribly offended that I was wearing a keep anyway. So what was the, the gain of me wearing a keep instead of a hat? There was no gain that I could see. Now I'm not putting down people who wear keepers. That's totally fine. But for me, I didn't want to associate with rabbinic Judaism. So when it comes to going to Israel, I'm not going to take my tzitzit off because a, uh, uh, you know, because, um, the majority of Orthodox Jews are going to say that I shouldn't be wearing them because, uh, you know, my mother's not Jewish. No, I see it in the Torah. I believe God has, has told me to do that. So I'm going to do it. And if a woman uh, believes that uh, she should be wearing tzitzit, you know, equip yourself and you want to combat the, the religious uh, Jews in, in Israel who might uh, say something to you, then I would equip yourself with uh, some of these rabbinic texts. Or the text of the Bible, even better, in my opinion, obviously, you know. When we when when we used to debate the Mormons, we would we would uh, we would know the the Mormon text so that we could use their own texts against them, and that's why I would say you know learn some rabbinic texts. But ultimately, the the just as Rob has just said, you know, there's there's inferences within the Torah itself that can lead one to believe that women can wear tzitzit as well. What are your thoughts on that? I'm I, again. I'm just. Uh, I don't have a solid answer. I, uh, in terms of one way or the other, because I, I don't know, it's my honest answer. And so I would, I, I think for sure men, like if you're, you know, if you're a believer and if you're a disciple of Yeshua, wear tzitzit. Now the question is, you could ask then in what form 
uh, how often, in what situations. Right. And I think that um, each person has to to come to that as part of their life of worship and obedience. And, and community, can, right? Sorry? And community. And, and your community. Um, so that's, that's... What I mean by that is, you know, I'm a person who wears white and and with a blue thread seat seat, right? Now, I've been to communities where they've, you know, it's been all different colors or they'll, they'll have, you know, like red and, and blue or something like that. I don't think that there's anything in Torah against that. So if you're in a community where everyone's doing, you know, everyone has a, a tradition in one way, you know, conform to the community, I'd say. Unless it's something that I think is directly against scripture. So for instance, if I think that, that, that you know, if it's your personal conviction to wear tzitzit every day and your community, only wears them, your community only wears them on Shabbat, okay, well then that's up to you to wear tzitzit every day. It's not, you know, those are the kind of things. But the idea of many judges over many, yeah, anyway, now we're getting into community rule. Yeah, well, I, I think there's, it's a lot of freedom, right? The idea is, is, what's the goal in all this? The goal is that God's command, well, well not even goal yet. What is the function of God's law? Right. Primary, for the believer. Well, what it does, it it, it is a, a beautiful, wonderful aid for our sanctification. Why? Because it's not invented by man. It's invented by God. It's and it keeps pointing us to Messiah. So that our life of worship, so that the goal of the Torah, which is in Messiah, we have new resurrection life, and we are able to walk in the Shema fully, right? Because we know he that why are we all in? Why, how can we love God with all our heart, soul, and strength? It's because we know that it's all by grace. Right. We know that we don't have we don't have any other investment. I don't have any, I don't have a secret Cayman bank account for some other religion. You know what I mean? Or some other, it's like, I'm all in and, and he's my Lord and savior. Right. And so the law is to now, because, and we're getting, this is good, Caleb, because we're going to get under a uh, naman under the law. What does that mean? The law for us as a new, new creation believers is right to guide us to walk in the fullness of, of uh, the blessing of the family of Abraham that that, that is there for us. And, and th so this tzitzit is a part of that joy and is a part of that remembrance and a part of that obedience. Um, so, th so uh, in line with this, one of the things that, I, one of the things I've been studying uh, this past week, baptism of the Holy spirit, right? I know mm -hmm. that a lot of people have a lot of different ideas of, of what baptism of the Holy spirit is, but ultimately I think one of the, the main pictures that we have is being engulfed. Right. Just as you like with water, you go into the water and you're surrounded, you're fully engulfed in the water. Well, when you're ba baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're fully in, in, you're all in. There's no other allegiance. Your allegiance is fully, you, your whole life is fully engulfed in the, in, in the worship and the service to the Almighty. And this is, you know, I think that walking in Torah, however you might see that. In other words, you know, even our Christian brothers and sisters who might think that they're walking in, in God's law, even though certain parts of it might not be done. If we are true believers, our goal is to be fully immersed in, in the service of God. And that's what the point of the law is to me, is that we are fully in service to God. It points us to Yeshua. It points us to the master, right? Okay. Um. Yeah, so good discussion on uh, women in ZT. Well, let's uh, let's stop and, and thank some people. You know, we've we've got some uh, we've we've got producers this uh, for the fall quarter. We are 
overjoyed and overgrateful for uh, for those who support us on a monthly basis and uh, keep the show going, and also for our producers. So uh, for those who become executive producers, they not only get a, a memorable cup uh, to drink your coffee in that says you, you're an executive producer of um, each of the specific quarter that you've uh, become a producer of, but we also uh, give their names and... Um, and then we give them actually the opportunity to write us messages and um, that can be read on air. And um, yeah, and then they can play sound clips if they want to. Uh, they can request some sound clips. No one has done that. So we have Virginia Powers who um, she's, she's one of our executive producers. Um, and she did not send any message and she did not uh, request any clips. And we have, let's see here. Let's actually just run through them. So Bob and LaRue Miller um, are once again, they've come in again being executive producers. Yeshua Shirts is again a uh, producer. And then let's see here. So I got Virginia Powers, um, Bob Miller. That's right. I'm running these again for everyone who can't see it. LaRue Miller. And Yeshua shirts. Yeshua shirts. Go check out Yeshua shirts. They're they're awesome. We love Yeshua shirts. I'm wearing a, a Yeshua hoodie today. Yeah, and then John Kilthard, and I don't know if I'm saying that name right. That's from uh, he's from England, and he just came in with a double producership um, this past week. And so, boy, we sure do uh, appreciate all you guys. Since no one uh, requested um, any any uh, sound effects. I'll just do a couple of mine uh, that I want to hear. Is there anything you want to hear? Nope. So I'll do a couple that I want to hear, and then uh, we'll we'll bless our producers. I'm a Catholic, which is the best of all religions, really, because we have the most rules and the best clothes. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. You've been blessed. Thank you to all of our producers. We really do appreciate it. If you would like to become a producer of an executive or an associate producer of Messiah Matters, you can do so by going to torresource.com, hover over TR Radio, go down, hover over TR Radio, go down to Messiah Matters, and then producership pops out from the side, and you can click on that, learn all about it. Okay, let's move on. Um, so, Galatians 4.4. 4. This is a fun one. Let's read it first, and then um, we'll talk about... Well, actually, we'll, uh, somebody gave us a suggestion in one of their uh, emails. Um, <laughs> I see you in the chat room. <laughs> I was trying to type seats funny. related to the word for sight <laughs> or seeing. All, uh, I look and, over, and all and, I see is I'm not drunk. <laughs> and for blossom. And then you've got the word kanaf for wings, like in Malachi. Kanafeha, right? His his wings. Um <laughs> Which are associated, but they are associated with, with each other. I was trying to type that, but as I shifted my keyboard from Hebrew to English, and then it looked good. Once I clicked enter, it went in, and all the words were jumbled. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Funny. Very good. And we got a great showing in the ch in the chat room today. Um, I, and I should say this also uh, while I have everybody here, and while I do this, I'll give you our you know ways to contact us. Um, uh, you can, if you want to sign up for show notes, uh oh, what happened? If you want to shine, uh, sign up for show notes, they are in our uh, in the description in the YouTube link, or you can find them also on our um, on our page on the yeah on 
Messiah Matters. TorahResource.com backslash Messiah Matters. Okay. Um, I think it's Messiah-Matters. Okay. With all of that said, let's get into it. So Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, I made uh, two, two weeks ago, I think it was, two or three weeks ago, I made the comment that under the law means under the condemnation of the law. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is kind of where this conversation came from. People kind of said, whoa, 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 wait. Actually, somebody specifically in the chat room said, whoa, whoa wait, what about Galatians 4.4? 4? Yeshua, if he is, uh, if it's a virgin birth and the father is his father, then he's not born with a sin nature, right? I'm, I'm putting words into this person's mouth now. I'm, I'm laying out the argument no, because right, I see I, it. I understand um, and therefore, he wouldn't be born under the law, under the condemnation of the law, right? And then somebody write, writes in, Robert writes in, and he says, uh, under the law, my understanding, which is admittedly limited, is that first century usage of under the law would often refer to Jewish lineage. So Jesus was born under the law, or rather born Jewish. It wasn't necessarily a commentary on whether one had to follow the law or, or Torah. So this is actually, Robert's uh, comment here is actually a, a kind of a, a um, I don't want to say standard, but it's a popular view, even among scholars, that, that this is what this means. So uh, I don't, uh, this is not the, the meaning that I take, but it, uh, it certainly is, uh, it, could, it could be argued this way. It's not the way that I take it, but it well, could be I don't think it way. fits. Uh, the last one I don't think fits with the the Jewish lineage or the Israel Israelite lineage fits. And here's why: because if you continue in that passage in Galatians, what he says, he's born under the law that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So, and Paul's point is that Yeshua died for both, not just for Jews, right? Like if, if Messiah became a curse for me, right. if he loved me and gave himself for me because of my sin, that's independent of whether I'm a Jew or a Gentile. Right? Right. Yes, I'm there? with you. Okay. Yes, I'm with you. Okay. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I was, I'm sorry. I was trying to process exactly what you were saying. And I also, I was reading, a, I, I, I did a rob. I did a, a rob and, and looked at the chat room okay. at the wrong time. Uh, but, but this is actually a good comment. So Christy Anderson, and bravo, Christy, to, uh, Christy made a video. Uh, she kind of took up the, uh, the, the debate uh, for, with Jeff Durbin and uh, put out a, a video that was very well done. She says, born of a woman, i.e. born under the law. So this could be it too, right? In other words, he was born into a world where if he sinned, then then um, law, then obviously like the condemnation. In other words, he was born and had to keep the law. Right? And, and I think Christianity some of the time believes this. In other words, he was, this is, I think, one of the arguments, and maybe not what Christy was saying, please don't hear me say that, but one of the, uh, one of the arguments that I hear from a mainstream Christian perspective could go something like this. Um, Jesus was born, and he had to keep the whole law, which he did. And so w- since he kept the whole law, we are no longer under law. In other words, we no longer, and this under law, according to this perspective, would mean we no longer have to keep the law, right? But, so be, but from that same argument, they would say we never were under the law. If you, uh, this is okay, actually, in other words, if I'm born, good, okay. if I, I'm born after Jesus already ascended. When was I ever under the law? If, the, if Jesus did away with the law, by the time I was born, <laughs> right. That, 
I, so when did I get delivered from being under the law to being not under the law? So th this is actually a great. You know what I mean? Unless the I, law still. This is in a great 1970s point. Seventies when I was born, nineteen seventy-one. If you really need to know. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> he's a, a young and year. It's a fine. Uh, what do they call vintage? Um, <laughs> did the did if the law ceased? <laughs> then why did he have to die for my sin if the law was done away? So there's all sorts of, you know. So, so uh, with that, that okay, this actually brings up another point, though, which is what side of the aisle, like if we talk about uh, various views within Christianity, what side of the aisle are people f falling on? So in other words, um, if, if you, being born in 1971, were never under the law because Christ died on the cross and made it so that we're not under the law, does that mean that people that were born before Christ died on the cross were under the law? And if that is the case, is there a different way of salvation? In other words, is salvation different? If you're born not under the law, but somebody before Christ was born under the law, what's the ramification of that? Yeah, and, so I think and, what we're showing is that this, that's not a helpful way to approach this text. Well, and not only that, but it also shows that I think that there's a major fallacy in the idea that... Uh, that there that there was a different way of salvation, or that God saved people differently before Christ right. came. In other words, Abraham was same, saved the same way that I was by faith in, in the coming Messiah and his death. In other words, him dealing with sin, right? right? So he believed that the coming seed would deal with sin, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed in the gospel. Um, okay, so, um. Do you have what? Do well, you, yeah. Well, here's here's a, here's a thought. Give me your opinion. Why on did what Yeshua you have to be baptized? That is, that's an excellent question. It's the same. The answer is the same. Okay. John the Bat. What did John? What did Yochanan say to him? I need to be baptized by you. Right. You don't need to be baptized by me. And he says, "Let it be so to fulfill all righteousness." What under what hupa namon means is basically Caleb. What you kicked us off with is under the curse of the law. But we should under what we should pause and understand what that means. Since the since the fall of man, all of us, all mankind, are under the sin and death, right? right. And in the world of where there is sin and death, God had elected, right? He showed kindness to Noah. He showed uh, by his own sovereign choice, right? He chose Abraham, and he said, you're going to be the vessel through my blessing. I'm going to bring blessing into the world. If the world was already full of blessing, then what good, then what? So Abraham's like, hey, man, you know what, God? Keep your blessing. I'm doing well. <laughs> I've got it good. No. Abraham wanted that blessing. And the promise that, you know, that the best way God to, could get Abraham's mind around it was for him to start counting stars to realize that he's not going to get it, that he can't intellectually calculate the vast, the immensity of the, of the blessing and the distance in time. It's going to be beyond Abraham's lifetime, way beyond so hang on, and, just, that, and so the idea here, though, is that then the Torah is given to Israel, who is of that family line. And what does the Torah do? The Torah given, did the Torah at Sinai 
make Israel get to the promised land quicker? No, it actually, their sin got bigger. The, the sin of in the, in the wilderness, 40 years, was increased. You had the Korah, the Korah's rebellion. You had the spies who wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb. Um, you had all the complaining, all these people, they all, all that had to be exposed. They, those people had the Torah and they saw God's mighty power firsthand and it did not solve the sin problem. It exposed the sin problem. Right. Exactly. They were, they were under the condemnation of the Torah. That doesn't mean the sole goal that that is the exhaustive description of the of what the Torah is all about. Otherwise, why would Yeshua said the why would they ever talk about the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, your strength? Why would we ever talk about look, your traditions have put aside the commandment that says honor your father and your mother? Or, you know, we have all these examples that are in the scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? Right? There talk about debate of terms. That's in Luke's gospel, right? Well, who's my neighbor? Okay, so yeah, they're arguing about what words mean, and that's 2,000 years ago, so we can do the same today. We can argue about what words mean, and we can say, look, we need Scripture to help us orient what these things mean. Under the law, then, so when Yeshua comes, it's like, I I love it, in Matthew. How does Matthew set up the gospel? Abraham, David, Babylonian captivity, Messiah. Those are the core points. He's like, this is the framework of God's salvation plan from he doesn't start with creation because he assumes if you're going to start reading about abraham you'll understand yeah you'll know abraham to david david to the captivity well what's the captivity mean that's the failure of israel to obey is the is the land will observe her sabbaths right the land will keep her sabbaths that's what god said because israel's disobedient israel's gone the covenant remains daniel's in in exile, reading Jeremiah about the land keeping her Sabbaths, and and um, that's when he had, and he's he's confessing we've uh, we're under the curse of the law. They come back and they start building the temple, a temple that never has the kavod, has the glory fill it. Um, although it's there, it's a humble temple for a few hundred years for the per- Persian and into the Hellenistic era. You have the Maccabean issue. Then about a hundred years of independence, and then Rome comes in, and then it's you know Rome. Herod, super puffed up wealth in Herod's architectural endeavors. The temple becomes this huge thing in the eyes of men. The soreg right that keeps Gentiles afar is implemented, and then Yeshua's like, "Look, not one stone is going to be left upon another," because he hated Jerusalem. No, he wept over Jerusalem. Right. Because Yeshua looks at Jerusalem and he sees this is where Abraham offered Isaac or went to offer his son as a burnt offering, right? This is where Solomon built the temple. And they'd made it a den of thieves. This is where all the nations are to to worship. And you guys have turned it into a bankroll system for your little power corruption. And it's gone. Oh, you think your little club is cute? Guess what? Yeah, okay. So, uh, so back to, so under the law means just because the second temple era had a temple and had an operating priesthood doesn't mean they were in a time of blessing in God's eyes. It, the curse remained. There was still a, a 
problem. That's why it says, like in the Gospels, it talks about in Galilee, in the darkness, they will see a great light, right? Why all this talk about Yeshua being a light? Why did the, the greatest Kohen to ever be born, John the Baptist, Yeshua says, that's his testimony, not mine. He's a prophet and he's a, he's a son of Aaron. He's a Kohen. But his, he wasn't raised to, to take after Zechariah's footsteps, who served in the temple, but rather go and preach outside of the system that had become, out in the wilderness, and to, and to baptize in the Jordan, to get people out of the, the corruption in the city and the, the misrepresentation of the covenant, and for true repentance, for the light that would come. Yeshua was born into all that. It's true he never sinned, but he was born. It's just like Moses. Moses had to go into Israel to deliver Israel out of Egypt. You mean go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Messiah had to go in. God, it said, when the fullness of time came, God sent his son to go in and redeem people and pull them out. Okay. So Messiah came from outside the system into the middle of the system with the full weight of the full consequences like you and me. But did it, but his response and his life was absolutely true to the priorities of Torah as revealed, as, as they are in God's eyes. Love of God, love of neighbor, etc. Right and true in, in the Ruach, step by step. So I agree with what you're saying, but I want to, I want to approach this just a little bit differently. When I started to look at this verse and Galatians 4.4, and I tried to kind of formulate how I was going to present my suggestions. Um, I realized that I'm not very good at that. Kind of, well, there are people who have already done it better than I'm going to be able to try to formulate it here. So uh, I will uh, defer to my father and the people that he quotes. But first, before we do that, let's uh, read. There's uh, four different times in Romans that Paul uses the term under the law. There's uh, twice in 1 Corinthians, both in the same passage, 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 21. So let's read these real quick and see how Paul uses the term under the law. Romans 2, 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So this, to me, obviously means condemnation of the law. In other words, if you're under the condemnation of the law, you will be judged by the law. Uh, Romans 3, 19. Now... We know that whatever the... That means you're, you're old man. That's right. old, you're old Adam, right? The person, uh, in other you're, words, you're the person in need of redemption. Yeah, you're, you're under the... And this is also how, how uh, Paul uses old law. It's the only time in all of the apostolic scripture that he uses old, old law. This is how he uses it. The old man, the old law, right? Okay. Or Old Covenant, I think. It, yeah. Anyway, um, Romans 3.19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Once again, I take this as condemnation of the law. Romans 6.14 and 6.15. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law. I take this as uh, under the condemnation of law, but under grace. Let's pause on that one. Okay. The sin will not have dominion over you. Right. That's a good one. Um, because the power, and Paul writes this elsewhere, he says the, the power of sin is the law. Well, what the heck does that mean? That means uh, 
It means the law, God's revealed law, identifies, it's, it's like James puts it, it's a mirror. Right. It calls sin what it is. It doesn't care if you're rich, poor, black, white, male, female, slave, for, it doesn't matter. And there's only one way to pay the price it calls, for sinning. It, it calls it out. And that's now I could Christ. be, I could, I could be deceiving myself. Paul says, "Don't, don't let anyone think themselves to be something they're not. Otherwise, they just deceive themselves." So, we don't want to be that way, right? Disciples of Yeshua, we want to look soberly in the mirror. But people all the time will like, well, you know, it doesn't apply to me, you know, or that, you know, they, they try to fix the mirror or whatever, or fix the lighting. Okay. Sorry, so, I, I no, you good. No, 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 not at all. So let's keep going with uh, Romans six fourteen. So let, fourteen and fifteen. Let's read them together. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. In other words, okay. are we supposed to break yes. the Torah because because we're under grace? No, not at all. By no means. Right? So if sin is transgression, oh, so Caleb, let's pause on that. Six fifteen. Romans right. six fifteen. How can, how shall I not, Paul's point, right, is I shall not continue in sin, right? He's, he's saying don't continue in sin, obviously. Right. Well, how do I do that if the law is not part of my world? Yeah. Great point. And I think Paul's... Why does he even ask that question in in 615? Because he thinks that people are going to misunderstand and people are going to say, oh, Paul's saying we're not under the law. That means we can do whatever we want. And he's like, he like, he preempts that. No, he he chops that head off. He's like, no, don't go there. He he knows, he knows the, the, not a, you know, meaning he chops that, he prunes that branch off. He says, no, he addresses the argument before the argument's made. Yeah. Okay, then we have 1 Corinthians 9, 20 and 21. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that so, I, I might win right, those outside of the law. Right, okay, so this is really good. And someday we need to, we might have done it years ago, but we need to revisit we need to do a show on First Corinthians nine in this passage, but next week you back to that one of that first uh, uh, possible in, uh, interpretations of Galatians four four is seems to be uh, disproved here. If why would he li- if it was the same thing if being Jewish was the same as being under the law? Why are these two separate items on the list? Right. Okay, hang on just a second. I'm, I'm writing this down so that we we remember. Bam. Okay. Um, we have technology. That's right. Pads of paper and pens. There's an app for that. <laughs> um, okay. So with all that said, so in every an single, in every single future Robin Caleb show topic apps. Yes. App. So in, 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 um, in every single one of these uh, passages under the law, I take under the law in every single one of these passages to mean under the condemnation of the law. That's what I take it to mean. Now with all that said, let's now move to, this is in my father's commentary. I put a link to this commentary in your show notes. This is in my father's commentary on the book of Galatians, page 176. For those who might not know, my father is Tim Hag. He's the president and director of TorahResource.com. And that's the ministry that puts this show on. Um, okay, so uh, this is on uh, the, the passage we're looking at, 4-4. 
so one seventy six, uh, page one seventy six. But Yeshua, but was Yeshua born under the condemnation of the Torah? In one sense, he was not. As the perfect and holy Son of God, he did not partake of Adam's sin, and as such, was not born a sinner. But in another sense, he was born for the purpose of carrying the condemnation of his people, and in this sense, he was born under the condemnation of the Torah as it pertains to their sins. In this passage, Paul presents the ministry of Yeshua as primarily soteriological. The emphasis is not so much on Yeshua as a teacher of Torah or of wisdom, but as identifying with the human condition born of a woman, in order that by his identification with the human condition, his death might be the price necessary to free them from the slavery endemic to that human condition. In this regard, then, we should most likely see Paul's phrase, born under the Torah, so that he might redeem those under the Torah, to be a reference to Jew and Gentile alike, just as Rob was saying. Even though the Gentile has no sense that he is condemned by the Torah until such time as he hears the message of the gospel, he is nonetheless in a state of condemnation. He is under the Torah, in the sense of being under its condemning power. Likewise, the Jew, who may have never considered that the Torah would condemn him, is under the condemnation of the Torah until such time as he places his faith in the redemptive work of Yeshua. So I think exactly going back to one of the things that you said in the very beginning is essentially what my father is writing on. In other words, Jew and Gentile alike. He comes under the condemnation of the... Uh, his, his goal and mission is to keep the Torah and then come under the condemnation of the, of the law for us. He comes with that as his goal, to redeem us, to take on the condemnation of the law for us, for his elect. And John talks about us being a gift, right? The elect are a gift to Christ. None will, snatch, none will be snatched out of his hand. Why is that? Because he has come with the sole purpose of taking the condemnation of the law on himself so that we can be redeemed. I think that's what the passage means. Mm, good stuff. Okay, I, can I hijack this a little bit? Go. I, wanted, I want to read a parable from Luke, to, uh, Luke 12. Um, okay. And so you just, just uh, we might go a little long, but that's okay. So in the middle of Luke 12, 1235, Yeshua says, be dressed in readiness, keep your lamps lit. Okay, this is the King James, loins be girded. This is, he's actually citing um, uh, Exodus 12, right? The idea of, um, which is kind of like that Passover, right? Um, be like men. This is Yeshua teaching his disciples. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. He's talking, so this is believers. This isn't people, this is not saying invite Jesus into your heart. Right. This is instruction for disciples who already love Yeshua. He's already their Lord. In instructing them in their, their spiritual maturing, maturing. Be like this, he's saying. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert. And the word master is kurios. So the, the parallel is a side note. Kurios or Adonai is coupled with evid of adim, slaves or servants. Blessed are those servants whom the master will find on alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will gird himself to serve and have them recline, and he will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those ones. But be sure of this, if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming an hour you do not expect. Then Peter says, 
Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? So Peter's like asking a good question, clarification question. Lord, The Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming, and he begins to beat the slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come in a day when he does not expect and in an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And the slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds uh, worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone uh, who has been given much, much will be required, and to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. Okay, why did I want to talk about all this? I think this is applicable in our, in this situation. In other words, do the Jew Israel as a whole was given the Torah, whereas the Gentiles were not given the Torah. Although at the same time all have sinned and fall short, the same Torah functions in both those domains. So I'm thinking in the, not, I'm not talking today because we're in a different situation today. Because now we have the pro, you know, even the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church has, through translation, has spread God's Torah. Right. Even Maimonides knew this. He says even Christianity is it still his uh, spreading Torah through the, to the Gentiles, even if they don't believe it's applicable. Um, knowledge of God's will is increasing in the world. So the question is, do we understand how how do we understand God's will with respect to the revealed Torah that we have? Is it God's will? And if it's God's will, and and my heart is in my worship of him to, to uh, behave in ways according to, that are in obedience to his law, even though, even though I understand it's imperfect, but I'm not looking for perfection of myself because Yeshua is, is uh you know, the only one who will ever have been perfect. And he's, it's his life, not even, it's not even my own life. In terms of my sanctification, uh, so that's, that would be, in my views, a, a steward who, or a, a servant who, out of love of his master, desires to, to be in tune with his master's will and to behave accordingly. Another person is taught maybe that it doesn't apply. And so from youth, they don't think it applies, but they still might love the same Lord, right? right. So that's going to be the person, in my view, the person that is is like in Matthew or uh, Luke, tw- what, twelve forty eight, right? The one who did not know it. So now again, Yeshua is not, this is a parable for us to... Uh, most importantly, I think, check our heart attitudes and understand when he says, be like this, it's like the parable of the virgins with the, with uh, uh, the lamps and the oil, right? We want to be like the virgins that have the oil. Right. And that we, and we, why? Because we're in, we're all in and we're in for the long haul. We're not flippant. We're not like, oh, I'll just come and hang out because it's a social fun thing. Oh, I'm out of oil. You know, that's foolish. We want to be wise stewards. We right. want to be uh, uh, diligent stu- uh, servants. So 
I think that's the main point. But but the fact that Yeshua says that there's a difference here between the one who knew his master's will and then those who didn't know, and the, the ones who didn't know aren't don't receive the same uh, uh, weight of punishment. That 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 I think that it, that there's room to bring that then into our discussion here. That's, is that tracking? I think I understand what you're. you're what do you hear me? What do you hear me saying? Because I think I, I started talking too much. I think. <laughs> and, <laughs> so and trust you, me, I know when I've talked too much. So uh, I I think what I hear you saying is that a correlation of Yeshua coming under the condemnation of the law, that is, to come for uh, the sole purpose of dying for Jew and Gentile together, right, and to take on right. their condemnation. And then what's our relation to, to that? And what I, what I hear you saying is that we see that in Luke 12, and Yeshua's parable of some will know, some will not know, some will be flippant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is... This is essentially the real. I call it the continuation of the Reformation, right? That there's this awakening that's happening back to God's law. Those who are prepared and working hard because uh, they don't know when the master's coming. Am I, am I encapsulating what you are laying down? I, I think so. I think we, we, we another way to, to get at this same point, uh, what I'm trying to get to here, and maybe I'm not, I mean, I might be failing. Is, is just the, the idea of why the disciples, after how many years with Yeshua, are looking at how beautiful the temple is. And he has to, like, say, he has to, you know, basically right. uh, slap them upside the face and say, look, you guys it's not, are not, go, you're not looking at the world correctly. It's not what goes into the vessel. It's not, it's not what's on the outside of the vessel that needs to be washed. It's what goes into the vessel, right? Yeah, you're not looking at the world correctly. You're not understanding what grace is. You're not understanding what righteousness is. Because if you truly understood the covenant of Abraham, if you truly understood what it meant by that Abraham had faith and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and that, that this promise that all the nations of the world would be blessed, if you understood that all of, all of God's acts in history are to forward this plan— then you would look at at Herod. Well, Herod the Herod the Great had died already by then, but uh, so it's other Herodian dynasty. Right. But you you'd look at that Herod's temple with it would make you vomit, right? Because it would make Father Abraham vomit because it is it is it is a stumbling block. It is a, it is the super puffed up manifestation of traditions of men. Uh, sprinkled with stuff from the Bible so that it looks legit. When in fact, the whole thing's got to go. Right. And that doesn't bring Yeshua joy, right? That it, it's not, uh, he, that's why he wept. But it had to go because it, 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 uh, it had turned, they'd made it into a den of thieves. It wasn't Gentiles who made it into a den of thieves. So the problem of being un, uh, under the law means is under the power, under the dominion of sin, which has its legal power due to God's revealed law. Right. And, right. and God's law is a blessing that we've been given, that we can study God's law, that you can learn Hebrew, that you can, or even if you never learn Hebrew, that you can read it in multiple translations and study it. 
So, so, so what, so, what you just said, this is, uh, I was thinking about this yesterday and this is Psalm probably, 119. This, yeah. this can be completely off topic, but this may be completely off topic. But the, the point, uh, one of the points that I was thinking about is, you know, for uh, those in the uh, mainstream Christian tradition who say, oh, you know, certain parts of the Torah have been done away with. Within Judaism, the idea of God gives us command, the more commandments God gives us, the more he loves us. In other words, just like a father telling his child, you know, don't go near the fire, you're going to fall in. Is that out of love or is it out of out of uh, hate and condemnation? It's out of love. Exactly. So, so when, when I hear somebody say, you don't have to keep that anymore, it's like saying God doesn't love you as much anymore. You don't need to, like, the idea, I think that the idea for uh, a lot of people is, oh, more commandments means more condemnation, more hatred from God, where I think of it the other way around. The more commandments, the more the more God loves us. So when someone tries to say to me, oh, you don't have to keep those commandments anymore, that's like saying you don't get the present that, that your father gave you. You know, it's like my son, my, my poor son. I, I felt so bad for him this week. He's wanted, uh, he, he, he's wanted to play Minecraft on the big screen. And so we have an Apple TV. He got, so he wanted a, a controller that would connect through Bluetooth to the Apple TV so that we could download Minecraft and play it on the big screen. Well, we weren't going to buy him an Xbox because those things are like $250. <laughs> so we, we said, well, maybe for your birthday. This, this starts like four months ago. So his birthday happens last week. And guess what? He gets the controller. So he's all pumped up. He's super stoked. And we go on to Apple TV two weeks ago. They discontinue Minecraft on the Apple TV. He's heartbroken. Oh, no. <laughs> right? He's been waiting for this for four months. I even called Apple and asked if we could get a, a copy of it. You know, no, we can't. It's the same thing with the Torah. It's like the the it's like the those who say you don't have to keep all the Torah. It's like you don't have to play Minecraft. It's not you know, they just continued it. Isn't that great? No, we're sitting over here saying why in the world would that be good? These commandments are show that that God loves us. It's not that we want them taken away. It's that we want we want them. That reminds me of that we did the review of that book, uh, reading Moses, seeing Jesus. Yeah. Remember, yeah. it was, it's produced by a, oh. a major messianic group in Israel, in Jerusalem. I think they're called One Israel. I don't remember for sure. But um, one of the one of the metaphors they use is like those, because they're saying, yeah, sure, we're in Israel and we're Jews, and you'll see us, you know, keeping Shabbat. Right. But the reason we're keeping Shabbat mm -hmm. is not because it's a commandment, but as a missionary opportunity, as an opportunity. It's that, in other words, we're adopting the local culture so as to optimize our position right. to make connections, build relationships so that we can share the gospel. So in other words, if you went to China, to a certain village in China, you would adopt all the things in that community so that you would can be able to connect. So, so the strategy is one of that missionary methodology, not because the Sabbath is uh, commanded. But one of the metaphors they use in the book is uh, people who, therefore, who believe in Yeshua and then keep the Sabbath because they believe it's commanded are like people who have an old laptop computer that has the CPO missing, right. not CPU, the CPU, CPU the CPU has yeah, yeah. gone. And they're, they, they have the laptop and they type on it and they pretend like they have a laptop. They'll, you know, you can put a disc in it, even though it's not doing anything. It's just all, it's this external pretending kind of thing because the core of it is really not yeah, there. Yeah. And therefore, um, it's really a, 
a futility and it's a, a kind of a waste of your time and, and a completely foolish misunderstanding of salvation history. That's right. their characterization of, of, of basically what we promote. Right. <clears throat> and I think that's just, I, I, I'm like, wow, I don't read the scripture that way at all. Um, Neither did David. Yeah. Right. So Neither did you, Daniel, you, you know, right. Daniel lived at a time where there was no temple. Right. So did, but, but he prayed at the time of the mincha, it says, at the time of the, of the priestly prayer right. and the priestly offering. So wait a minute, there's no priesthood. There's no temple. It's been totally annihilated. Jews are in exile, the land, but yet the land is keeping its Sabbaths. And Jeremiah or, or, and Daniel is praying at the time of the offering. Well, wait a minute, there's no offering happening and he's not in the land. So is Daniel dealing, is it, is that analogy true there? Was Daniel, oh gosh, man, Daniel, that's the first thing that Gabriel told him. Daniel, what you're doing, I know you don't know what a laptop is, but it's like you have a laptop that doesn't have a CPU and you're pretending. No, Daniel's worship was real. Right. And it was legit and God honored it and God blessed him mightily. And it was from a repentant heart that understood what the curse of the law was, what understood the consequences of sin, understood why exile was true and was hoping for redemption. And what was he given? A picture of the Messiah that was going to come right? and was going to bring atonement. So this nonsense, like in that book, reading Jesus and or reading Moses, seeing Jesus, don't buy it. It's just, it's, 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 I don't know. I just say it's it's a dead end street. I, I, that's my opinion. On that note, we hope that you've enjoyed this show. We uh, will be back next week, and uh, we're gearing up for the SBL. We're going to take a week off in November, um, and so but and then actually one of our shows is just going to be a recap of our time at the Society of Biblical Literature and the Evangelical Theological Society. We know that some of our listeners are going to be there. We're very excited to, uh, to, to be with our friends and, uh, and people who agree. It's always nice to know that there's going to be a, a showing of people at the SBL and the ETS that are um, Torah observant and have the same uh, you know, biblical worldview that we do. Um, so... Yeah, we're excited for that. But next week we'll be back, and who knows? Maybe we'll talk about Nailed to the Cross. Maybe we'll talk about 1 Corinthians 9. And we got a lot of emails, uh, and we hope that you will continue to give us emails, right? Send us emails and uh, with either comments, questions, or uh, show topics. Our email is chegg at torresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. You can also call our comment line. We've gotten some really good comments recently. We always like listening to people's comments. Even if you disagree with us, that's totally fine. And that number is 253-465-3205. We hope that this conversation has done uh, something for you. Maybe uh, giving you something to think about, maybe in giving you enlightenment on a passage of scripture, something like that. Um, but there's really one main focus and goal to this show, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why is that? Because Messiah matters. <laughs>